Welcome to Mandatory Redistribution Party. This episode is about the long-abandoned working class. Not the real abandoned working class, the other one. You know, the immigrant-fearing St. George's flag-obsessed white working class. The pink-faced hobgoblin summoned by the politicians and commentators to suggest, look, I'm not racist, but Barry from Wigan is. And if we want his vote, We're gonna have to do racism. What's that, Barry? You want quality social housing and public transport? No, no, no. Shh, shh, Barry. You remember what you were supposed to say and I'll give you a sausage roll. The truth of class in this country is that black, Asian and minority ethnic people make up relatively more of the working class and are more likely to be in low-paid, insecure work. Youth unemployment fell by 2% for whites under the coalition, but uh, for BAME youth it rose 50%. When anyone on the right or the left starts talking about this forgotten working class and doesn't include these people, they are revealing themselves as an absolute wronging. Right, let's just get stuck straight into the app. Uh, health, a little health warning here. I, um, I, uh, I do a little bit of irony in this first bit, so watch out for that. See if you can uh, detect it. Uh, good luck. When will the left deal with the greatest threat of our time? I don't know what that is, Jack. So don't just... you feel it? Don't you feel the threat constantly? Hot, um, hot weather. Cold, cold weather. The biggest rain on record. The big cats on the moors. Moors cats. Moors cats. Nope. Um, See, this is it. This is classic. Classic metropolitan. I'm sorry, I'm doing my best. You have thrown me a, a curveball to begin a segment. deal with the greatest threat of our time? Um, d- Deliveroo. What? Boots, the chemist. What are Boots doing? Psoriasis. What? <laughs> Sor- boots are spreading psoriasis? No, I didn't really answer the question. I just continued listing problems. Ah, uh, grousing. Um, grousing? Grousing. Grouting. Grouting. <laughs> yeah. I'm damp. I mean... <laughs> Rising damp, the old, the old sitcom. You never get sinking damp. No. Which you'd think, knowing what water's behaviour, loves to sink, loves mm. to go down. Waterfall, not water up. But there is water up in the water cycle. Otherwise, how Yes, yeah. true. Thanks true, so much. Thank but you not, so much. It doesn't like <laughs> climb walls. It doesn't like like a reverse waterfall. Waterfalls, yeah. you know. Water doesn't visibly rise God, yeah. in the air. Yeah, 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 yeah. There isn't rain in and reverse. If I can't see it, it ain't real. Okay. Science. Maybe that actually is one of the worst problems for the left. No, the real greatest <laughs> threat of our time that the left is just ignoring, despite my phone calls to Mr. Corbyn. Uh-huh. Direct line. I, I've, I looked in the, in the BT phone book. Yeah. found Mr. Corbyn. That'll be him. And I phone him. Yeah. And never answers. Hmm. Yeah. Answer phone? I'll leave him messages. Yeah, he'll get those. I say, Mr. Corbyn. He'll be in the garden. When will you deal with, when will the left deal with the greatest threat of our time? Which is? 
It's white genocide. Right. The genocide of white people through inter- you know, interracial relationships. You know, just straight up, we're being genocide. Listen, I, I go to uh, Pretamanga. Uh-huh. Look around. I think it's Pretamanga. Like Japanese comics. Yeah. More evidence of white genocide. Well, I go to Preta anime. I go it to Preta pre- anime. <laughs> leave out the final arc. <laughs> <laughs> I go to Preta anime. I look around. I think this is it. This is what it feels like to be ethnically cleansed. Mm-hmm. I look at. And what are you seeing exactly? The sandwiches. Is it the staff? I can feel it. Right. I can feel it. I, can, I look at my. I look at myself in the mirror. I, a white man, mm-hmm. I look yeah. at myself in the mirror. I see myself fading away like Marty McFly, McFly in Back to the Future. I go, I'm, I'm being genocided. I say that in the mirror. Yeah. I'm being genocided. Ow. 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 Help. Like, Help. I'm, like, it's like stubbing my toe, but Help my me. entire body is, my entire whiteness is stubbed, yeah. a stubbed toe. And um, Society is your kryptonite. Yeah, like Marty McFly and Vashin. As another white man, don't you feel, don't you feel completely powerless, Sean? Don't you feel like we are at the bottom of the barrel? Looking up at everyone else. I worry, even as irony laden as what you're saying is, there still could be one listener being like, Yes, yeah. yeah. second of fucking turn. <laughs> yes. Finally, I've hated this podcast, so. <laughs> <laughs> but I've hung in, given it a chance. Yeah, well, sorry, buddy. White genocide isn't fucking real, and you're a yeah. fascist, and you can fucking die. <laughs> Go back to Reddit. Uh, um, Go back to the fucking sewer. Um, my favourite white genocide. Well, so you remember the Brexit. The, what, like some, the woman got became like UKIP leader or something. Or oh, maybe, I but, can't remember. And she yeah. did. She did a. There's um, so many leaders you can remember before it's a wash. Yeah, and she she tweeted something that was like a picture of a British primary school in Ireland with the mate, Irish primary school. It, and then she was like, "Oh, this is this this isn't British or something." Some clarity on this. Then is is in my head, white genocide was about the fact that strictly or, or mostly about the fact that people are now getting into relationships with people outside their race and therefore the idea of the white race will vanish because everyone ends up in the in the melting pot yeah so it's or is it it's kind of it is a bit that it's got two elements right so Mm -hmm. element one is just like white genocide which also there's like different flavors of it it's just like white extinction white replacement so what you're getting at is that one of the core things which is that like White people aren't breeding enough or whatever. Whites yeah. aren't having children with other whites. Yeah. And the, the Nordic Aryan race is being undermined or whatever. And there's the second ingredient of it that, that this is being orchestrated by shady figures. If you're, Soros if you're fully Soros, yeah. yeah um, full on anti Semitic tropes. An interesting element of that is the idea that the feminist movement is responsible for white genocide because of birth control or something. I guess it'll be based on this racist idea that white middle-class women aren't going to be having children, whereas mm. there are going to be people in like the third world or having loads of children. Mm. And that's going to create this global imbalance where the white race can't keep up. And even in Europe, like the idea is that like, oh, immigrants are, going, are having more children than the whites and this is going to, yeah. they're going to, they're going to overflow everything. It's just, it's total fucking And I'm guessing bullshit. it also applies down to like, oh, I had, um, a number of applicants for a job. Some of them were white. And mm. yet I hired a person of colour. White mm. genocide. <laughs> well, yes, yeah, all that stuff of like positive discrimination things are discrimination against whites. Yeah. But it's just, it's a total bizarre understanding of white supremacy because white people don't, I mean, white people aren't a majority globally and white people still 
are the core of global imperialism, right? Yeah. And it's imperialism and racism are fundamentally, you know, racism as it exists today, its origins are in basically slavery mm-hmm. and the need for basically a way to dehumanize a people you're enslaving. So you go, oh, well, they're not, they're not the same as us. They are black and that's mm-hmm. that kind of, so at the, the invention of whiteness is the same as the invention of blackness. And, and then you get the guys but in the 1700s. Really want to get- Beyond that, the modern Nazism has mm. been rebranded as race realism or race nationalism. So race realism is the idea that races are real. They're not social constructions. Races exist. And the fact that I'm just talking about them can't be racist. Mm-hmm. They don't accept that like whiteness was sort of invented. And there's loads of people who get counted outside of whiteness. Like what are people from Greece? Like what, what, how, do we have to just push people into one thing or the other? Mm-hmm. Um well, that was the big and, problem they had, isn't it? So anthropologists started trying to rank everyone, yeah. the kind of Pokemonification of like racism. Like German anthropologists, there's this guy Grant who wrote a book that was like the, the passing of the great race. Mm-hmm. And Hitler said it was his Bible. Nice. But this Grant guy's like an American. Yeah. Um, oh, but loads of the Nazi Nuremberg laws are from America. Nuremberg laws are from Jim Crow laws. Yeah, yeah, yeah there were but, several things that, they, that, that I think some of the Nazi bureaucrats said, I don't think the public will tolerate this element that it actually exists in America. Yeah, yeah. But no, but the thing I wanted to contrast is race realism. Mm. Um, races are real and then they're all got some scientific basis. And then there's race nationalism, mm. the idea that we're not racist. We just think every culture and country should stay where it is so we all don't all dilute everything into the one melting pot they can even argue in this sort of twisted way Mm. of like actually it's more of a celebration of diversity because if we all get melted together into one global culture then where where are the individual flavors of our individual cultures gone if we all get smushed together Mm -hmm. we want to protect britishness yes but we Mm -hmm. also want to protect pakistani culture by not they bring up these other countries mm. as though they want to protect those. Obviously, they're not doing any work towards those. Their real thing is on race realism. They really are interested in whiteness. But whiteness becomes this strange... Is whiteness Celtic? Is whiteness Viking? Is whiteness... They've had to create this sort of pan-Western Europe myth of one group that are all the same. <laughs> they're really into like runes and they, they quite <laughs> like the iconography of the Vikings because the Vikings are, are strong. Mm. And yet the Vikings also colonize and take from other people. So it's very hard to... Um, other people that could be in the modern day racialized as white. Yeah. Yeah. But, but at the same time, like this idea that we just want to be isolationist and, and stick to ourselves and, and, and not bother anyone else. But also we love the Vikings. That's who we valorize. <laughs> Because um, the it's Vikings a, went all the way to like the other end of Eastern Europe. They just terrorized. Bad eggs. Yeah. Cool aesthetic. Horn hats, not real. Not real, not real. real. A lot of the other stuff though. Normal hats. Good, good shaped boats. The Viking thing's so confusing, especially for Britain, because they don't see it as natively Celtic. No. They accept the Norman and Saxon invaders were legit. Because I think right. they are just, everyone took it's one place. And forgetting that human beings all originated in one place at one time. There must be some point they've got to lock in, in like global history, where they're like, this was when it was correct. And then beyond that is wrong. And before that is also therefore wrong. This white genocide idea has been a trope across so many white supremacist murderers. Yeah. Obviously, the big one is uh, Brevik, the 2011 Norway because he wrote that manifesto and he uh-huh. was talking about this like all white replacement stuff's all over that the person who murdered joe cox was a, a believer in this like white genocide white replacement yeah. thing there's loads there's all these like white supremacist murderers but then also this idea of whiteness 
and the idea of like a betrayed whiteness mm. isn't just a, a fucking Nazi idea. I think it's absolutely threaded through the liberal establishment. Because I, as I was saying earlier, race, racism develops as an idea at the same time as capitalism, at the same time as slavery. So liberalism and racism develop alongside each other. Uh -huh. Fundamentally, like all these fucking eugenicists, people like Keynes, the, you know, the guy behind the post-war consensus and the, that economic model and people like William Beveridge, who wrote the Beveridge Report that was one of the inspiring things with the welfare state, mm -hmm. both members of the British Eugenics Society, both liberals, right? And I think that's still true now to the extent of the idea of the fucking white working class, the betrayed white working class, you know, the... Uh, they can live in like three places, the white working class. They have to be, they have to live in Wigan yeah, or uh, Rochdale or Bolton. There has to be an automobile factory nearby or a similar industrial manufacturing plant that yeah. is now shut. Yeah, they love manufacturing. They hate that it's shut. Yeah. They love- uh, And they would live their best life. They would live their best <laughs> life if the Indians closed down. It was just fish and chips that could go back to the factory. <laughs> that would be them. Oh, uh, like it or not, that's what peak performance <laughs> looks like. They love Sky Sports. They love racism. They love bootlicking. Mm -hmm. They love war. They love soldiers. They love the Queen. They love the special relationship between America and Britain. They hate uh, renewable energy. The bet if you're a policymaker, the best thing you can have is a mythologized working class that you'll never give a platform to and can project beliefs on to create an imagined mandate yes, for further yeah, imperialism. They are a fucking phantom, right? And it's 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 not you know, it blanks out. You can't acknowledge that there might be a gay communist who lives in Bolton and is working yeah. class or Oh my God, a Muslim working class person? What? I'd go as far as to say that if you were if you were gay and a communist, you would have middle classness projected onto you because yes, yes, working yeah, yeah, yeah. classness becomes synonymous with, with those political and social values to the degree that you can have like... You can be skin and you can work like in an off-license part-time and come from like an industrial working class family. Yeah. But if you're gay and a communist, people are like, well, I bet you like hummus as well, don't you? Yeah, yeah. Well, then also yeah. the thing of like, you know what? Working class people eat fucking hummus. The yeah. Owen Smith like, oof, I've never had a frothy coffee. Yeah. Like blatant fucking lie. Yeah. So obviously like Farage uses it. Farage, the fucking millionaire. Who, who wants to use this phantom working class, this white working class, this bullshit homogenized thing. And I'm, I'm not saying that you, you can't go to Bolton and meet a fucking racist dickhead. Like they are there. But, the, but it's the fact that it's homogenized. It's, it's two things. It's the fact that it's homogenized as if fucking everyone from these places has this same set of thoughts, beliefs, hobbies, and they're all racist. Mm -hmm. It's that. And it's that phantom as is used by journalists commentators and politicians well and also the your point about like if you if you deviate from that it doesn't fit doesn't you must be middle yeah, class you, you must, must be something class. else it's just used by people but but not just people like farage people like owen smith or tom watson or whatever or people people who they're not racist sean they're not racist you're just gonna get the people my job is a custodian of public opinion and sorry that's just the way public opinions go, and we have to roll out a little bit more racism. Yeah, it's not me. It's just yeah. I. We have to get the votes 
from this white working class yeah. phantom. We have to appease uh, this person. And then they're so interested in asking, getting these vox pops of people going like, saying something about immigration or whatever hmm. or, or Brexit from this 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 white was mythologized white working class but the best but, thing you get about Brexit you get this proper Barnsley guy who's gonna go get his pie from yeah. somewhere and he'll say something mad about how he doesn't want any more Somalians so let's get out of the EU and then the interviewer goes well you know that Somalia has nothing to do with the EU it doesn't fall within that continent yeah yeah, yeah. He's like, yeah whatever and then you get simultaneously get to like sneer at him on Twitter which is the job of that clip for Channel 4 News. Yeah, yeah, People yeah. People yeah, sneer yeah. at this idiot, but also the politicians can be like, yes, but that idiot's a voter, so unfortunately my hands are tied. Yeah, it's amazing. So it launders the establishment and the middle, and middle, and also just middle class people generally of going like, well, I'm not racist. Yeah. So it launders them and reinforces their ability to sneer at the... Uh, do you remember when like Corbyn read some fucking poem or a quote from something at Glastonbury and people were like, oh, what? who's this for? Yeah. Working class people don't know what a poem is. Yeah. There was something um, like New York times or if not New York Times itself, Washington Post, some equivalent American newspaper because uh, a janitor wrote a best-selling book. Uh, and people were like, what? Because it's very hard to like, because he had a job of a custodian. It was very hard for people to be like, he's secretly middle class. He's obviously not. Uh, people really broke people's brains and it was like really inspiring. Inspiring. <laughs> <laughs> really good. Very good. A fucking amazing book on this, by the way, is Joe Kennedy's Authentocrats. Please read that. Historically, an interesting, and also just kind of, you know, we're sat in Manchester right now recording this, yeah. is the, the Lincoln statue in Manchester, right? Have I told you about this before? No. In Manchester city centre, there is a statue of Abraham Lincoln. Why? Well, it was given to Manchester as a thank you for the solidarity of the Manchester working class with the Union in the Civil War, the war uh, that ended slavery in the United States of America. Uh -huh. Because as the war was going on, obviously Lancashire, it's all cotton mills, right? Yeah. The working class of Lancashire, northern working class people, went on strike in solidarity with black Americans, but you know, slaves halfway across the world. Yeah. Striking not in their own interests, because the you know, the cotton that comes from the fucking plantations yeah. is the basis of the industry they work in, right? So all the all the fucking mill owners, well, the entire British establishment wants to side with the South. Yeah. Britain sent troops to Canada ready to help the South, ready to help the Confederacy. But what happened was a group of workers, partly organised by this just absolute irrelevant, I mean, God knows who this guy is, someone called Karl Marx, don't know who he is. Like they work to organise the British working class against slavery. Now, obviously slavery has been abolished in the empire from 1833 onwards, right? And a lot of the narrative of that is like, oh, it's the kindly Whigs and they decided to be nice and it's, which is a fucking limited understanding of how that happened. But essentially what you have is working men and women, because remember a lot of the mill, you know, the idea of like, oh, well, women work, women's places in the home is like something from the past. It's like, mm -hmm. actually, no, but most of the global working class today are women. Mm -hmm. And most of the working class in the 1800s were fucking women, right? So these workers went on strike in solidarity with black people in America. And that was the origin across Europe of a, a, a movement, a pressure from below on the governments to side with the North against the South. 
And that is one of the reasons for Lincoln's Emancipation Proclamation, because Lincoln understood that this was happening. And he was like, ah, because the war wasn't like his priority was just, I need to get the union back together. He wasn't mm -hmm. like, oh, I'm doing this to end slavery. He did the Emancipation Proclamation, which like, you know, quote unquote, freed the slaves. It's a bit more complicated than that, but we don't need to get into it. He did that to fuel that movement, to put even more pressure on Europe to boycott the Confederacy. Right. Because if, if England and other European states, because they would have followed suit, the, the, the imperial powers, had sided with the Confederacy, the Confederacy would definitely have won. Yeah. So the victory of the United States and the persistence of the United States as a country till today owes a great deal to the Northern English working class acting, making great sacrifices in solidarity with black people halfway across the world. That's incredible. And helps me understand why, like, I remember going to a mill town to go do some arts workshop. Mm. And this is just some little mill town in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. And I'm going to, like, this art centre somewhere. And I walk past and there's this plaque saying, Gandhi's been here. <laughs> and I'm right, like, okay. what the fuck? <laughs> Like this is some tiny little, like it's just full of old pound shops and betting shops and stuff. Mm. It's, and I'm just walking past it. I'm like, Gandhi came here. Yeah, yeah. Why? Yeah. This is why. Oh, there's loads of interesting stuff like that. Even in the in the campaign to end slavery, which happened in 1833, in, even in, I think, the 1820s, black American campaigners who like weren't slaves, they're like freed slaves or whatever, but they were involved in the abolition thing. Mm. People were like, I'm not saying specifically Frederick Douglass, but people like that. Yeah. They'd come and talk to like steel workers in Sheffield. Yeah. And also the idea of like, oh, people get less racist over time because this like Whig liberal idea of like history yeah. is progress. No, bullshit. So there's this phantom, ahistorical, homogenized northern working class, this yeah. white working class, which is just total fucking bullshit and used as an excuse by politicians who aren't just fash, but centrists to mm -hmm. legitimize policies that are fucking horrible. And just the more you say, the more you feed that notion, you feed them of like a betrayed white working class, right? Yeah. You're feeding the monster. You're feeding the fucking fascist monster. You stop doing that. And it's just, it's the same thing, you know, um, Brexit, look at the narrative around Brexit and how that was framed of like, it's still, even though loads of evidence has come out that it wasn't people on a Bolton council estate who were racist. For a third of people who voted Brexit, immigration was like the main issue but for two-thirds it wasn't they were concerned they're like concerned with things about like sovereignty i know people go like oh well that's just a, a veil to hide their actual racism but once again you're projecting shit onto them most fucking leave voters were in the south the southeast and the southwest yeah okay london's an outlier and then mostly voters are fucking middle class for trump and brexit same for trump like the, yeah. the typical trump voters like the economic a, anxiety a, a white middle class woman right this idea that the, the, the working class are, are responsible for Brexit, are responsible for Trump, is lauded everywhere. Yep. But there's not really the empirical data for it. What there <laughs> is, is it's those people, it's the fear of poverty. Mm. It's the, and, and, and it goes for people who worry about immigration as well. Yep. It's in places with low immigration, but a high fear of immigration. They're not saying that the reality that they face is bad. They have an imagined threat of what it might like to be poor. 
yeah. or what it might like to be near people of another racial background. And that thing terrifies them. Why? Is it because the thing itself is bad? No, mm. but the information they receive. So they're primed in the first place to be scared of it. Yeah, 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 they get scared of it, vote to stop it happening. The people who are experiencing it go, no, no, no problem. Well, th- this is a problem with the political phantom, the creation, the myth, right? Because the reality, integrated places, which are quite diverse, tended to vote Remain or whatever. But places that weren't, but were worried about the phantom of uh, ethnic minority immigrants coming in and changing their place, you know, like North Wales or I'm from or whatever, which is, mm-hmm. um, but they behave based on that. Like these, these things aren't real, but the more you repeat them, their effects become real. It was the same in fucking, not to like, you know, it's a bad political analysis to just compare everything to Nazi Germany. Lots of people from all different social groups, upper class, working class, middle class, voted for the Nazis. But the most likely group to vote for the Nazis was the middle stand, which is like the middle class. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you know, there was the economic crisis and it's from 1929 and millions of people were unemployed. But it wasn't primarily them that formed the, so- the mm-hmm. social base of the Nazi movement. It was the middle class. Yeah. Anxious that they could be next. Yeah. Anxious that the privilege they have could be taken away. So there's a huge, been a huge uptick in racism since the referendum, right? Mm-hmm. And like racially motivated attacks. In like 2018, there's 29,000 reported incidents of hate crime up from like 6,000 or whatever in, in, the, in the year before. So it's like going up and up. But research by this, um, this group, Protection Approaches, who kind of look into this kind of stuff about how to combat it. And basically they found that the group, the most prejudiced group in English society is the middle class not the like left behind. Basically, it's the people that our politics is completely centered around, mm-hmm. which is why these ideas are fucking everywhere because it's not the people who are left behind that are dominating the narrative. It's the people who control and are, you know, catered to by the narrative. Who you would assume in the first place would have the means to be politically influential anyway. Yeah. So basically middle income earners with like a household income of like 50 grand, mm-hmm. they're the most likely to be to feel threatened by as you were saying, because it's not necessarily the reality of it. It's the threat. It's the phantom. They're threatened by Muslims and traveler communities. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's not people wanting to take back control. The people who are most afraid of immigrants are the people who probably have an okay life (laughs) economically, but they're scared that it could be threatened in some way. But then they launder through this white working class. Oh, it's not us. We're not racist. We must have these views because, yeah, you know, the white working class. And I think we talked about the idea that if you're like a gay communist, you couldn't be considered working class. But I've kind of brewed on that, and I think it's like way more pernicious than people. Because <laughs> what has happened recently? I don't know what I mean by recently exactly. Yeah. But when we think of what middle classness means, we uh, want to talk about it as an economic element and a social element. Yeah, but I think that social element has completely eclipsed. Yeah. I know people who, there, I mean, there are plumbers and stuff who yeah. earn incredible amounts, but we'd still call them working class. Mm. And yet I think that a lot of people I know would consider them middle class. A lot of them are either gone to uni or uni dropouts. But I mean, the amount they earn and what that actually does materially to their life. Oh, the cultural measure. I mean, it was all invented by advertisers in the 50s to, you know, that like A1, D2, yeah, yeah, all absolutely. that shit was invented by that. And then just like continues to be used today. But there's loads of- But what I'm that- saying is that-, that it used to be material reality. Mm. What what can you afford? Where do you live? What's mm. your catchment area? What's the crime rate where you're living? Mm. 
that that informs what class you are because obviously you don't want to be poor and have a high crime rate. Yeah. But now you can live wherever you want. But if you like read books alone, oh, you're middle class. That's, that's middle alone. class because well, and, and, and the like, only people that are left, and that means working class, the only people who are left, are the people we're talking about, is that thin group of mythologized white working class. Mm. Being working class is now a political orientation. It's not a material description of your culture. It's almost a normative thing to say. If you're working class and you want to really be working class, you've got to be racist, otherwise you don't fit the bill. Yeah. And that's why working classness, because it's become a culture that used to be descriptive, right? Mm -hmm. Because in fact, the descriptions of what working class culture was were done around here, right? Because Engels Mm. went around at all the factories and went, let's describe what this thing is. But now it's normative. Working classness is a thing you've got to participate in. That's why you've got a lot of like, You've got a lot of older men who've got the need to say, oh, that's a bit posh. If they see anything they don't already recognize, they have to, like, their working classness is a culture they feel they need to conform to Mm. because it is prescribed what working classness is. And for them to have a culture and not just feel dispossessed, Mm. they have to participate in that as well. We all do that with our own cultures. I have to participate in something so I don't feel like I'm isolated. But now racism has been added to that. So if you want to be a a pedigree, bona fide, working class man, you've got to be a bit racist on the side. <laughs> Stuff like you can't have a degree and be working class yeah. is by those old measures, right? So that's, that's what takes a lot of the early analysis of Brexit totally out of whack because it's like, well, if you've got a degree, you're more likely to vote remain. But... If we, if we look at I see you can't t- afford the rent, but is that an avocado there? Yeah, well, it's that thing of if you look across time, obviously since Blair really pushed getting a higher education, mm-hmm. there's a generation of people who missed that where the, most of them didn't get a degree. So, But, yeah. but also they kind of looked out with like when the housing boom was. So they're likely to have like own their house or have like mm-hmm. a- or have had a relatively cheap mortgage or a house that's increased in value so they can borrow against it in equity and have quite high spending power. So actually, in terms of a class thing, this person, this like 55-year-old that owns their house outright but doesn't have a degree mm-hmm. is defined as working class. Yeah, exactly. Whereas some 25-year-old who's working in a call centre despite their first-class degree in sociology... They're middle class. They're middle class. They're Which makes me think we need to just chuck it out and get rid of the middle-class terminology and just accept that anyone who has like assets or their foot on the ladder of owning some... If you own a house, you have your foot on the ladder of a ladder of capital and assets that you own. Mm. That is the marker. And then you're just petty bourgeois. Mm. Or you can be a worker who has to work to get money to put food in their mouth. What, Sean, sorry. Are you suggesting that class should be defined in terms of your relationship to material conditions and the means of production? Mm-hmm. Yes. Sir. Oh my <laughs> goodness. Um, I'll call the police. <laughs> <laughs> I think we should, we, we should cover the gammons, mate. The people. So the, the, there's the, 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 you know, I'm saying, we're saying like the white working class is like a mythologized thing. And then mm-hmm. we're talking about the, these, older people who conceptualize themselves in a performatively working class. There's a class. performative like, working classness. That's the gammon. Is the you, epitome of that's you the gammon. You own your own bloody firm. There are people who work under you. The idea that you're just this local lad. Do you know what I mean? There are people who like, uh, I own the nearby haulage firm. Yeah, yeah, See yeah, those yeah, buses? Yeah, 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 I actually yeah, yeah, have yeah, like yeah. a 60% stake in the buses <laughs> of Barnsley, but I'm just a lad, just a lad like you guys. It's like, no, you're not. And that's why they've got to perform it. Yeah. Well, that's a bit posh. I see you've got guacamole. Well, didn't have that when I were young. It's like, just is it fine? But isn't, not- it, <laughs> but isn't it interesting that we get a load of think pieces 
when we start calling these people fucking gammons because mm-hmm. they're pink and they look like, oh, this, I'm sure there should be a pineapple on that. Like a yeah. pi- maybe an egg and chips next to it. It's a bit 70s to right? a pineapple or a slab of beef. Yeah, gammon. <laughs> Come on. Authentic. Yeah. Come on. And, uh, Vianetta after. <laughs> Vianetta on it as well. Um, you get to think of this like, you know, the left say you, you shouldn't be flinging around insults, but you're calling, you're calling me a gammon, mm-hmm. right? The new it's hate like, crime. Yeah, but... Because you've got... Because you're bright the, the gammons can throw the ra- words around like snowflake or cuck or yeah. fucking... So- I mean, a gammon's not, probably not going to say soy boy. But it was, I, I really find it quite funny when like some like middle-aged person starts throwing around soy boy. When did someone middle-aged say soy boy in your I've presence? I've seen it. I've seen from, it. From across the road. I don't want to... <laughs> Telescope. I don't want to... don't want to call out. Call out. I don't no want to... Yeah, yeah, I don't want to call out because it could cause me um, <laughs> social issues. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Someone wants to get booked again. <laughs> no, it's my uncle. <laughs> um, uh, calling someone gammon, yes, you're probably referring to a fucking white person in their angry pink face, right? Mm-hmm. But that is m- not racist in the way that arguments that like, oh, we've got to control immigration because of this fictional, this phantom working class I've conjured in my mind, yeah. you know, needs it. That's much more a function of racism than calling someone gammon. Yeah. But the way the gammons understand race is, you know, slurs. Yeah. Because the gammons in themselves have fictionalized other races anyway, because they never encounter any. Yeah. Right? They're an, yeah, yeah. Racism is always fueled by a demonic other. Yeah. So it's just racism's all the way down. But that's the really interesting. It's like, yeah, the, the race is always this like fictional phantom version of it. But the, the, the idea that the, the liberal establishment has created yet another phantom via which they can justify their hatred yeah. and, and persecution of this other mm-hmm. double phantom. It's like there are two sides fighting each other. I've made both of them up and I will also legislate to help one of them win. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Amy Gladhill. I'm northern and working class. I say bread cake. I say scone. I say Anne from Universal Credit told me to take my degree off my CV because I look overqualified for the zero hours contract jobs I should be applying for whilst trying to forge a career in the arts. I like gravy. I'm Rob, I'm Northern, I'm working class, and I studied GCSE Latin. I'm Hannah, I'm Northern, and I'm working class. I'm really knowledgeable on wine, but I'm not a prick about it, because you don't have to be. I'm Lee Kyle, I'm Northern, I'm working class. I've got a book about surrealists that remains tragically unread for now. I'm Chris, I'm Northern, I'm working class. And I, uh, I'm, I'm really scared of rats. I saw one at Stafford Services once, and I, uh, I locked my car doors and drove off. I'm Rachel Fairburn. I'm Northern. I'm working class. I'm a stand-up comedian, and I co-write and co-host a hugely successful podcast about serial killers. I come from a family who my grandparents used to be active anti-racism campaigners, and they used to go to really early pride marches. I also used to work in a rare books library, and I have now worked in the arts, self-employed for over 10 years, despite never going to university. I'm Danny Sutcliffe. I'm Northern. I'm working class, and this is my one phone call from prison. Hi, I'm Jed. I'm Northern, I'm working class, and I love quoting the movie, 10 Things I Hate About You. I know you can be underwhelmed and you can be overwhelmed, but can you ever just be whelmed? Think you can in Europe.
I'm Natalie, I'm Northern, I'm working class, and I've got a PhD. I'm not Thomas, I'm Northern, working class. Tramasalata is my favourite food. I can't even say it. Is it Tramasalata? Tramasalata? Terra Tramasalata? I don't know. Either way, the little pink stuff the Greeks eat. Love it. I'm John, I'm Northern, I'm working class, and I like Coop's bread just fine. Hi, I'm Jane Edwards, I'm working class, and I've been eating hummus for years. They sell it at fucking Aldi. Hello, my name's Dougie, and I'm Northern, and I'm class. Yeah, really lovely lad, um, lovely lad, love a laugh, no naughtiness or anything like that, just, um, yeah, blue. I'm just, uh, just trying yeah, I'm Vince, I'm Northern, working class, and every so often, I pronounce a T. My name is James Meehan, I'm Northern, I'm working class, and I love RuPaul's Drag Race. My name is Jade Fernley, I'm Northern, I'm working class, and I've built the best improv troupe in Manchester from the ground up. And to top it off, I know exactly how you play tennis. I'm Luke, I'm Northern, and I'm working class, and I'm a pansexual vegetarian who loves classic French cinema. Films like René Lalou's 1973 La Planète Sauvage, and uh, Mr. Bean's Holiday. I'm Richard, I'm Scottish, I'm working class, and I love a botanic garden. My name is Tom, I'm Northern, I'm working class, and I like the BBC Radio 4 rural soap opera, The Archers. My name's Joe Gallicher, I'm Northern, I'm working class, I edit an environmental magazine, which means I now live in London, but I still refuse to pay £12 for eggs on toast. I'm Liam Bolton, I'm Northern, I'm working class, I'm a member of the Labour Party, and one of my favourite tunes at the minute is EXO by Beyonce. It starts like, no, 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 you know it, don't you? No, 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 you know it. Anyway, when she starts singing on it, she's got this sort of like cracked voice as well, like she's got something wrong with her throat, and normally we're presented with like, you know, the idea of Beyonce, like the untouchable idea, but on EXO, she's quite vulnerable, and you go, oh, so Beyonce gets throat infections and that as well, does she? That's nice, isn't it? I'm Chris, I'm Northern, I'm working class. And if I had my way, I'd have voted for Barack Obama for a third term. I'm Daryl, I'm Northern, I'm working class. And sometimes I'll buy a Pinot Grigio knowing it's more risky than a Sauvignon Blanc. I'm Che Burnley, I'm Northern, I'm working class. And although I am black, I do agree with the repatriation of West Indians, um, especially from Barbados prerogative called Curtis Turville Lashley, uh, who is my father, just, just him really. My name's Sean. I'm from uh, I'm from the Midlands, really, but I've lived in the north since I was a teenager, and I uh, don't really I don't really have a clear idea of what class I am. I'd say I've got two distinct reasons to think why I might be middle class. One is that I've got a degree, and even if it's a humanities degree, I've literally only used once in my life to get two pounds off access to the university swimming pool. I still have that, and I feel that having the experience of university and coming out of the other end 
has made some distinct changes that I think are relevant to my class. Uh, the other is that I work in the arts, moreover that I've chosen that particular career for myself. And both of those things feel very distinct from what I imagine the typical working class job and lifestyle to be, which in my head is still going to a factory in Liverpool and making rivets for a boat. Um, so let me have a proper think. So my grandparents were Irish immigrants, basically economic migrants that came over to work. Um, and this was during the heyday of the no dogs, no blacks, no Irish signs on most accommodation. And maybe this is another topic to talk about more at another time, but it's only really sunk in recently since the Brexit referendum that I am a third generation immigrant. Since the whole Brexit discourse, I've realized my connection to this country is these incredibly thin roots. Um, the second generation, my, my parents and my aunts and uncles, have more of a direct connection to Ireland and I just sort of straddle the middle where I, I feel disconnected from both this and that country. Uh, and there's no real legacy of inherited wealth or anything that props me or my family up. It's just my nan's discount card she got from working in M&S for 40 years straight. And I was raised by a single mum, in brackets, my own, uh, in Birmingham, in one of its many working class Irish diaspora neighbourhoods. She did a PGCE and got a job as a teacher, which is a pretty traditional middle-class career. But at the moment, she's bankrupt and lives in a high-rise council flat. I went to university, graduated, uh, got extremely mentally ill, struggled to find work, was on benefits quite a while, pulled myself out of that hole, got a job working in the charity sector for a while, I worked for Crisis UK, lost that job when their funding got slashed and they had to uh, lose a lot of staff very quickly. Uh, after that, I was working temporarily in hospitality, uh, that was a zero-hours contract. I think I had two jobs around that era, both zero-hours contracts, and both just stopped. Uh, wasn't let go. Uh, they just stopped giving me hours. Um, at that time, I thought, that's the push to try and go full-time freelance with the numerous little bits of arts, bits and pieces I do, arts production, essentially working in comedy, performing, producing, doing a bit of writing uh, and a bit of directing. I, I do lots of different things and that's me now living very precariously on lots of different strands of freelance work and there are signs that it's going to get better and easier the more I keep doing it and establishing myself but at the moment it's <laughs> precarious but it's keeping the lights on after listing all that I feel like that sort of implies that I'm probably working class there aren't a lot of inherited or institutional or class style structures that prop me up or, or help keep me safe I'm still very reticent about identifying as that. I know I'm not read as working class. I uh, moved to Yorkshire when I was about 15 or 16. And the kids at school were quite thorough in crushing the Birmingham accent out of me. So I've lost that certificate of authenticity. Also, the way I talk like betrays the fact that I grew up as a bookish shut-in rather than playing horse down the recce or whatever I was supposed to be doing. Uh, and about 10 years ago, I met my father and he's minted and works in telecoms in Belgium. I've spent the last 10 years or so trying to incorporate that relationship into my life. And even though I'm sure he's willing to do more, I haven't really accepted a lot of money off of him because, well, suddenly the moment I start doing that, then uh, I change. <laughs> I change into someone who I spent the previous 10 years disliking immensely. Uh, although I got stuck at the fringe 2014, and I had no other choice, so I did get some cash off of him to stay afloat. So that's like, fucked me that's <laughs> that's fucked my authentic life um, and even the very existence of that safety net even if I don't use it and I never used it, it it makes a real big difference to like 
where I am, where I sit on the spectrum, I think. So Amelie, I think for me, it's a bit of column A and a bit of column B. My career isn't the gig economy, it's freelance creative work. I don't make much money at all. Uh, but I feel like I have both freedom and prospects and their luxuries. And I've been, I've been working class and I've been middle class at different points in my life. And that's fine. I think people sometimes really treat class like it's a genetic property or some kind of virus that you can catch. You inherit it and that's that you, and carry it around for the rest of your life. But in reality, it's, it's fluid. It's like a descriptive shorthand for what your material circumstances are. A way to communicate your quality of life without actually showing strangers your P45. And right now, I think I'm just between classes. I'm not sure. Things could go very well or very badly for me in the next couple of years, and then I'll know for sure. Give me two years to succeed or destroy my life, and I will get back to you. I'm Jack. I'm northern. Well, the north of Wales. Do you know real? It's like a mini black pool, but with no illuminations and more pedos. I'm from a village near there that's got a waterfall and uh, racism. And I'm, am I working class? I think maybe I was, but I'm not anymore. I don't know. What does class even mean? I just did a quiz on the BBC and it told me I was an emergent service worker. But to get that result, it asked me questions like, do you listen to hip hop? And do you socialize with a postman? So I don't know what's going on there. When I was growing up, I just assumed I was nothing. I am normal you know whatever that is um, as soon as I got to uni I realized like whoa middle-class people are a thing uh, and I am not one there's a bunch of cultural stuff I didn't really have and still don't have and it sucks uh, the big difference I remember noticing at the time was middle-class people seem a lot less worried about getting battered like they will do stuff that if you did it where I grew up anywhere like in school in the pub in the high street you just get battered um but they do it they just do it i i, I don't uh, there's that and also like complaining about food in restaurants like even if it's bad i'm eating it i'm paying for it and i'm tipping another thing i remember noticing is middle class people being very keen to explain that they were not middle class I think there's especially a shame among people on the left labeling themselves middle class because people don't want to be called champagne socialists. That's fine. You can have material and cultural privilege and care about other people. Tony Benn and Peter Kropotkin were aristocrats and people still think they're sound. The pinnacle of middle class denial is the idea there isn't even a middle class. There's just workers and capitalists. Even though I'm a windmill dwelling solicitor on a hundred grand a year, I don't own the means of production, so I'm in the proletariat. Ugh, like the English class system is a different thing to the Marxist idea of class. But they're both real things. Class in the UK isn't just your relationships and the means of production. It's what jobs your parents did, it's your accent, it's who you know who your dad knows is the school you went to like on those metrics i'm still working class maybe some background is relevant here even though i do hate the idea that class is hereditary like some buy to that landlord isn't working class because his great great granddad fell into a chimney both my granddads worked at courtauld's at some point a big grim factory in flint 
Uh, my mum's dad left school early to work on the estate of the local lord, which is fully medieval, except it happened in the 1940s. Uh, and he did loads of jobs after that, milkman, parts manager for Peugeot, teaching trumpet to kids at a private school because the other kids can't afford it, post office for the longest time. Uh, my gran worked as an auxiliary nurse, then in the post office, then in the same post office as my granddad. My dad's dad was in the army, but messed up his hearing because of gunfire. And then he worked diesel trains, became a union organiser, ended up leading the Labour Council in Flint in the 80s. My nan didn't have a paid job, but as well as like household stuff, she was crucial to my granddad's organising, taking suitcases of sandwiches to striking miners in 1984. When I was young, my parents got divorced, so I grew up with my mum, who worked in Spa for a while, then had a bunch of different jobs in the NHS for a stretch more than one job at the same time. My dad was a fireman for pretty much his entire working life, Despite the divorce, he's like still a regular part of my life. But on the other hand, he did have to pay another set of bills. I've worked since the paper round I started when I was 12. I've done retail, call centre jobs to get through uni. And my parents hammered in the need to get a stable income as soon as possible. And seeing the financial stress put on my mum and a lot of other people I knew when I was a kid, I went straight from uni into teaching. Uh, I was pretty thrilled with this at the time. It's a classic middle-class job, right? And I had it when I was 22. I've done it, lads. I've done social mobility. Unfortunately, I got into teaching right when the Tories got into power. The workload is so grim that every teacher I work with is part-time just to stay on top of it. We recently worked out that if you divide what we get paid by the hours we work, we make 20 pence less than minimum wage. Um, oops. I also do stand-up which on the one hand is like the only working class performance art except maybe you know, grime i'm sure there's more on the other hand stand-up is in the category of the arts so is therefore middle class culturally then um, middle class materially um hmm i did some maths on this my total income is below average for the uk but it's also nine times the average for the world like I feel skin all the time, but I'm in the top 5% of global income. And that's because the British middle and working class were and continue to be beneficiaries of imperialism. Say thank you, Queen Victoria. Uh, thank you, Queen Victoria. The UK poverty line is 15 grand a year, which is still in the top 8% worldwide. Feels weird to call myself anything other than upper class on that metric. If I'm in the top 5%, even though I don't own any means of production. Surely I can't be the underclass, right? I'm an aristocrat. Yep. I can't see any problems with that conclusion. I'm an aristocrat. Uh, add that to cisgendered white man and I should probably be guillotined on sight. Please don't turn my still living head to look at the blood spurting from my neck hole. I'm quite squeamish. Uh, just, just punt me into the crowd. Um, see you there. Mandatory Redistribution Party was created and produced by Sean Morley and Jack Evans. Our title theme was created by Ella Jean, with additional music by Jack Evans, that's me, as well as royalty-free covers of Monteverdi's Cantate Domino and Muzzagorsky's Sempre Moderato. By like schools that I just found? Great. If you enjoy our little poddy, please subscribe and tell your mates. They probably like similar stuff to you, right? Yeah, they like you. We've also got live shows coming up, November the 27th at the Pier Hat in Manchester and December the 2nd at the Bolshevism in Leeds. Bring your mates at that too. Thanks for listening. Thank you.